Seahawks fans, wherever you may be. Welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Fans, welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Albstead, sitting down with Keith Myers. Keith, welcome to the show. Game preview time. Seahawks at Vikings. What do you got, man? Oh man, this I, I felt really good about this game coming up um, after Week One and about halftime uh, of Week Two, but I, I feel less good about it now, having watched um, watched the Seahawks just completely forget to show up for the second half um against the titans and you know hopefully that it was just a it's one bad half they've played three good halves and one bad half and hopefully that's all it is and they come out and play well but yeah you know, well twitter's certainly melted down i mean there's a lot of meltdown going on out there uh, yeah. a lot of unsure you know you get this early in the season and uh you haven't had a real chance to build your identity yet as a team and so all fans really know is the last time you got you were on the field and it wasn't a great feeling, you know, and, and so Twitter melted down a little bit. You know, that's going to happen, especially Seahawks Twitter. Everyone's really passionate. I get that. I don't think that that's, there's there's that much panic, you know, it, at least coming from a guy like me who's followed the team since the very beginning. You've seen this kind of happen uh, over and over. And, you know, certain times in certain years, you're going to have uh, games that just don't turn out the way that you want them. For me personally, you've got a non-conference game, a and B, it's early in the season. They can learn from this. Hopefully they do. Pete Carroll's got them, you know, wrangled up and um, teaching lessons all over the place, including the penalty type stuff. Yeah. Um, some of the issues they're having uh, on the defense. And um, and then just a, uh, just a lot of discipline problems last week. Seemingly. Both, yeah. Both in in their responsibilities and, you know, like gap discipline and, and um, staying you know, doing their job and not trying to do too much, but also, um, you know, like the taunting penalty and the penalty out of bounds. And um, I mean, 10, 10 penalties for a hundred yards, it's a hundred yards. And some of those um, were really impactful. Yeah. And some of those were, yeah. Um, especially like the, the, the taunting penalty on DJ Reed. I mean, that was, um, they were getting off the field and that kept the drive alive and it, that kind of stuff, you just, there's not enough room for that kind of those kind of errors in the NFL. The teams are too close. So uh, yeah. yeah, hopefully, hopefully all that stuff's cleaned up and we don't have to worry about it um, going forward. But I will say that that call on DJ Reed has started a very interesting debate, not just among Seahawk fans, but just among everyone who's near the NFL um, about what this rule is about and what it's trying to accomplish what it's trying to accomplish it's hurting right yeah yeah no i agree i you know for me that that call was really borderline whether you're a seahawk fan or whether you're a 49ers fan or whatever that call would have been iffy um yeah. in in any situation be, and probably not at all called last year so no. the only reason it's called this year and you can see that flag flying in from 20 yards away that the official closest to the play didn't throw that the, the official in the middle of the field through that from, you know, 
where the, uh, the line of scrimmage was. And, um, I just thought that it was just the wrong call for the wrong reasons at the wrong time. You're impacting mm-hmm. a game at that point. You're giving away 15 yards to an offense that's marching down the field. That's, you know, that you can see the momentum kind of flipping a little bit in this game. And it, it really had an impact. And so I just, I don't know. It just didn't feel right. It didn't look right at the time. I didn't, he wasn't standing over the guy, mocking him, doing anything at all that would be considered bullying behavior or anything like that. He was just literally in in a moment of self-expression where he was thrilled to make a play. And um, there's a difference there. And if a referee can't make that judgment, then don't put the referees in that spot to make judgments. Yeah. And and that's, I mean, that's, um, that's kind of the, the end of it is you're, it's really football is a really emotional game, especially for defenders, right? Their, their job is to stop the other team. And it's a big deal when they do it, especially in to when they're, when you're a defensive back in today's NFL with the way the rules have, have shifted and playing cornerback is essentially impossible. Um, and for him to go up and make that play. Yeah. It's emotional. He's flexing. He's you really into it. And I love that. Um, and there's no reason to call that. Like you, you, you cannot take that emotion out of the game, um, and you, I, you don't want to. You want to get the fans involved. You want to have this, the stadium be rocking because um, players are showing emotion and it's getting the fans going. And I just, I am at a loss as to why the NFL. They did this a few years ago, and then they totally backed off on it, and the NFL went back to being fun. And now they're back to this again. It's like- yeah, the NFL Players Association came out with a tweet the other day where they said, you know, we don't agree with this rule. Um, we have a spot at the table with regards to uh, the rules committee, but it's in name only. We've got one player representative sitting at a table with 12 representatives that are appointed by the NFL commissioner. And whatever the NFL commissioner wants is what the NFL commissioner gets as far as the rules. Mm-hmm. And you know, if he's listening, Hey, Hey dude, how's it going? Uh, bad rule. Bring it back a little bit. Let the players have a little bit of fun. Let them have emotion. Let the defense win a few things once in a while. And, um, you know, against dominant offenses, when defenders make big plays, this is where the emotion comes out in, in the game. And if you're trying to curtail emotion, I'm sorry, but that's just part of the game. It just really is. And, and, don't take that away from everyone. So anyway. Yeah. So hey. I, w- I was going to say I, on this, I was listening to um, Dan Patrick and he had Jeff Saturday, who's the center uh, most notably for all the years when Peyton Manning was with, was with the Colts uh, on there. And he was talking about that rule and that call. And he was saying, you know, uh, those kind of things are typically are, are what defenders do, right? Because they're, because the, you know, as an offensive player, there's more about being a technician and it's about, you know, doing your job and, and defenders play with all this, this energy because you have to, it's just part of what they do. And he's like, and I'm an offensive player. And I think this is the worst rule in sports. So he was really trading up saying, this isn't, this is a rule. that's not aimed at me. I still hate it. And to me, that was really telling um, that I, I, I like, I have this belief that the NFL is going to get this right. And they're going to, you're going to see a lot the the enforcement of it is going to go down as the season goes along. So a couple things right off right off the top. Now that it's seven minutes into the show, 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about a, a couple of housekeeping things first. Um, I just want to mention, uh, again, we've said this before, we're part of the um, Pigskin Podcast Network. And um, that's that's going to help us stay on the air, give us a little bit of uh, a little bit of money to to keep things going. Make sure the graphics are are good. Make sure we've got good things to talk about and a place to call home uh, into the near future because it's not free to to do what we've done. And uh, we've re- remained independent, Keith, for four and a half years of our existence. And now we've uh, we've uh, have a little bit of an agreement to kind of help us out, and and part of that is to have sponsorship. And one of our sponsors, our main sponsor, is DraftKings. DraftKings is currently running a promotion to uh, to help us uh, kick off the ground. And if you go to the the DraftKings uh, website and you enter code TPPN, you can spend a dollar and get one hundred and fifty dollars credit on your first bet as long as you put a five dollar deposit. I think down. I don't, I'm not necessarily required to say that, but that's my yeah. understanding of exactly what that is. And, um, and yeah, so you cool, can cool promo. I say it's cool promo. It, um, DraftKings is, you know, daily fantasy sort of weekly fantasy really in the NFL, but, um, you know, you come in, you, you draft a new team each week and, and, um, see how good you do. There's money to be won if you know what you're doing. And if you don't, then, well, it's fun. You can still win. and <laughs> and <laughs> I will say too and and um and when we do the we do the audio portion of our show uh we'll have an ad read in the middle of the show uh on on our video we we're not doing that but um there are states where you can legally do this and then there are other states where you cannot and they still have some promos and giveaways and so forth for uh, mm-hmm. for everyone on there so just wanted to mention that hey speaking of that ad and DraftKings. We're going to read that right now. Week two of football is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week three with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off another action-packed week, DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Listen up, because you don't want to miss this. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 on any Week 3 game to receive $150 in free bets instantly. If Sportsbook is not available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TPPN to receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only, minimum $5 deposit and a $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Um, the other stuff um, is that we signed a, a tight end to the practice squad, Jay Sternberg, uh, former third-round pick from the Green Bay Packers, number 75 overall in the 2019 draft, had a great senior year in college at Texas A&M, caught a ton of balls, 
spent his first uh, year uh, on injured reserve and out, not playing at all, and then was just released yesterday by Green Bay. I don't know if we he passed through wires and we made a wire claim or um, he just cleared uh, waivers and ended up on our practice squad, which is more likely, I think. And um, and so he's out there. That's great news. Um, Ethan Posick is still on. Um, Ethan Postick is still on injured uh, reserve for another game or two, uh, which means we're going to see more Kyle Fuller uh, mm-hmm. out there, uh, the lowest graded offensive player in um, on the Seattle's offense last week is going to remain there for at least another week. Uh, I don't really understand that at all, but it is what it is. And well, part of it is they're just lacking a, another alternative right now. Um, Shepley is out. He was the, he's the backup. And he was dressed and he played special teams, but um, he's only been on the team for a couple of weeks. And I don't think they're comfortable with him uh, in terms of, you know, getting the line calls and and the playbook and and all that stuff. Right. Um, Even though he's physically a superior player, but he doesn't know the stuff as well at this point. So there, that's one of the things Pete Carroll came out and said about Fuller is that he's, he's doing the mental parts. Right. Um, And and that's what, why, you know, why they're sticking with him. But he's not doing the physical parts right because he just he just doesn't have the functional strength. And he's just not that talented of a player. But he's smart. Uh, he's football smart. So uh, they're hoping he can he can improve. But obviously, Bill and I have our doubts. Yeah. Well, he'll face <laughs> da- Dalvin Tomlinson this week. So we'll see. Um, so let's... Is there any other injury concern? So I think DK Metcalf is going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly where D. Eskridge is in his concussion protocol. I haven't heard anything as of this moment. Yeah. Um, and then I think everyone else is doing pretty good. So we should be we should be set. Let's talk about this game. Um, Seahawks are on the road against the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota comes in 0 and 2. They lost for them a heartbreaking loss to the Arizona Cardinals on a missed last second field goal from 19 yards out. So it would have been a 35 yard field goal, something like that. What is it about the Vikings and I know on last it, second field goals? Well, I'm last here for it. Missed field goals. Yeah, well, I'm here for it because it, it certainly helps us. They're in the NFC, and I'll take any help we can get. But. Um, yeah, so they'll come in motivated. I, I watched quite a bit. I watched about 13 minutes of highlights of that game. And quite frankly, Minnesota looked pretty good for a good portion of that game, similar to what you know Seattle did to the to the uh, the Titans in the first half. They were able to be toe-to-toe with Arizona. In fact, they were up uh, early, and Arizona kind of came back and then held that lead. Um, Arizona looked good, too. Uh, you know, Kyler Murray looked great. Mm-hmm. So it kind of gave me some hope a little bit for our offense in this game. But uh, so you're you're going to deal with uh, Kirk Cousins at quarterback. Kirk Cousins actually looked pretty decent in this game. Dalvin Cook looked like a gasher, like a guy that could really, you know, if if He's, Seattle wasn't a great run stopping team, which now I'm questioning. We, um, it, until until the second half of last week's game, yeah, uh, Seattle was a great run stop, yeah. stopping. Yeah, and then they got, now, got really undisciplined. But I want to see that discipline before I crown them again. Yeah, um, Justin Jefferson, a uh, great little wide receiver. Adam Thielen, um, a guy that's going to catch some stuff over the middle. Um, some other familiar names, Patrick Peterson at corner, Everson Griffin and Dan uh, Daniel Hunter 
boy, did he have a game. I'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, Sheldon Richardson's there. A couple other guys, Xavier Woods, Tom Linson at defensive tackle. Um, you know, what do you want to see? So let's talk about what we want to see in this game. Like, if you're Seattle's offense, based on what happened this last game, what do you, would you like to see in this game to know that we did correct some things? Well, I want to see them actually convert some more third downs. That's huge. Um, and part of that is getting themselves set up to in, in, you know, third and one or third and two and not, you know, throwing it third and eight. Um, that would help quite a bit. So would, that involves, you know, getting the running game going. Um, and they just got to be not, careful with that. They were not, they were not as effective running the ball last week. And I know a lot of that's um, the, the front uh, four of the, Titans was really good and the offensive line for Seattle had a rough day, but um, I want to see them be more effective running the, running the ball. It doesn't mean they have to run the ball a lot. They just need to be more effective at it so that it, it keeps. Well, the... I think you said it. I think the, the, the key that you increase the running game and the efficiency and the effectiveness is you convert those third downs. You know, the first yeah. game we converted 44% of our first time last year, we were at 38.4. This was exactly in line with what Pete Carroll talked about in the offseason about getting more efficient and getting better at converting third downs. By by doing that, you're giving more opportunity to Ross to throw the ball and Chris Carson to run the ball. Um, and that's what I think Pete Carroll really is talking about when he talks about running more, running more effectively and so forth. That's kind of what, but the second week, they regressed down to 33.3% conversion rate. Yeah, That's not where they want to be. That's way below even last year. No, and, and the, so, the offensive line really struggled last week, especially in the second half. I mean, um, Wilson was under pressure a lot. He had uh, he had offensive linemen ended up on the ground, and and defense with so the defensive linemen are coming in um, where they shouldn't be. And and I mean, they almost gave up a safety, uh, you know, there in overtime, and it just looked really bad um, throughout most of the game. It's, they really need to clean that up, and this is not an easy front to clean that up with. Right, um, the you know Sheldon Richardson and 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 company, they're going to make it real tough mm -hmm. on on Seattle. Um, but it really comes down to, I mean, Damian Lewis had nine penalties a year ago. I think he's already at two or three this year. He needs to he needs to clean it up. Uh, Fuller needs to, I don't know, become a different person so that way he's. Uh, but the rest of the line, I mean, it's. It's supposed to not be this massive weakness that it has been in the past. And it was definitely the thing that hurt the offense the most. Well, I tell you what, in the first half, I thought they did pretty doggone good. You know, and what I'd like to see um, is, is a continued emphasis on trying to figure out how to get the tight ends involved in this offense, yeah. how to get DK Metcalf involved in the offense that has more, um, more routes that get him wide open in space. Um, Lockett has just had an amazing start to the year. Let's let's see what we can do about getting uh, DK and and to have a guy like Estridge back would would be an amazing add to this offense too. I, I really hope that he's able to heal up and and be able to contribute because that really does do quite a bit to um, to increase the opportunities for the wide receivers to help mm -hmm. Wilson out. Um, well, and you know, on, on the like the fly sweeps and stuff, Eskridge is a is a bigger um <clears throat> a bigger threat than you know Freddie Swain on that kind of stuff. He's just quicker and faster and 
and more explosive. But um, yeah, I mean, they, it would be nice to have that. But you started with the right with the thing that they is most important. They've got to get the tight ends involved and go back to using the middle of the field, which they did in week one, and they completely went away from in week two. Like, where'd the tight ends go? Yeah. Well, yes. So I think that's that's going to be one of the keys. And if you take a look at the Arizona game, uh, the other thing, uh, two things that um, Arizona did really well was they got their receivers in open space and Kyler Murray was able to move the pocket. And um, if they did get to Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray was able to escape that and make them pay. So I anticipate seeing a similar game from Russell Wilson and Seattle's offense that Arizona used against them. You know, Kyler Murray ended up with, let me see. I can't, I thought I wrote it down. But he ended up with close to 400 yards. Yeah, 400 yards, three touchdowns, 11 yards per attempt. And he did that by moving out, you know, moving that pocket um, around a little bit. And I think Seattle would benefit from that. The other thing that um, I think that we could really do is you mentioned getting Chris Carson going. And I totally agree. Uh, And in the last nine games, the defense of the Minnesota Vikings has allowed 15 touchdowns to, to running backs. And so that's a decent opportunity, I mm-hmm. think, that needs to be exploited um, by Seattle. And, and you know, Minnesota's never been a team that plays well from behind because they have Kirk Cousins. Um, and so I yep. think that getting a lead, uh, you know, up front would be good. And then continue to step on the gas. You know, yeah. don't do what we did against the Titans. Don't relax a little bit. Don't get cute. Try to go methodically down the field. Take those shots when you can. I think those shots will be there against this defense. I really do. But in order for that to happen, you're going to have to play underneath and within the offense for a little while. I think if there's one thing that I'm a little concerned about early on in the season with the Shane Waldron, Russell Wilson dynamic is Russell Wilson kind of not doing what that offense is really designed to do. And, and, and that's taking what the defense gives you on any given play instead of trying to press things. And so I'm interested to find out if that kind of marries up a little bit better. Yeah. I mean, it, you look at the situations in the, the Tennessee game, right? Third and one, and you end up with a, um, you know, a fade down the sideline or, or you could take the easy first down and then, you know, come back to that play later. Yeah. I mean, I get that he had Metcalf one-on-one on the outside and you're going to, at you that point, that you've be- got a third and one. Let's trust Chris Carson a couple of times yeah. a game in that scenario. Or, 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 you know, have you have Metcalf out there and make it look like you're going to go there and then throw a slant underneath and get the first down. You've, you've, you know, if you have uh D Eskridge in, that's a perfect opportunity for, for Eskridge. That's a perfect opportunity for Disley or Everett, mm-hmm. you know, to, to take advantage of single man coverage, especially against a slower linebacker or a safety that's undersized, you know, go, let's go take advantage of those things. And Russell Wilson should be thinking about the, I'm sure that he is, but also, you know, on, on, on those plays, if you see DK in single coverage, you see Tyler Lockett in single coverage, you're going to trust that matchup nine times out of 10. So, I don't want to completely take that away, but I think Russ has really lived and died by that decision part over, of it, the, yeah, over the last, say, ten games into into last year. But part of it is you have to know your you have to know your game situation. I'll take that one on one with DK on the outside 
almost all the time, but you're in a situation where you need a first down. Yeah. You you don't need the big play. You need a first down. You need to keep your defense off the field. You got to uh, get another first down, uh, run some clock down because you're trying to protect a lead um, and you're trying to give your defense a break. Know the game situation and take the take the take the first down instead of going for the big play. There are there's times to go for the big play. That wasn't it. And I, and I point to the yards after catch kind of theory that Shane Waldron brings into this offense. We haven't seen that yet. And we've been in, we've been at this for two games, and we've yet to really seen a, 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 an offensive player really have clear cleared out a space, you know in a zone type scheme and it could be scheme oriented. I, I honestly, I don't know for sure, but um, it seems like we should be seeing more receivers operate in open space to create yards after catch. And it, it just seems like we're kind of doing the same thing we did last year. Yeah. If you go and you look at, um, at the receivers and, and you know, the yards after catch stats and all of that Seattle's actually done pretty well. Um, compared, especially compared to last year where they were, and they had nothing, <laughs> but as far as individual, um, you know, yards after, after catch, they, they're, they're pretty good on that. But a lot of it came from Freddie Swain when he caught yes. that ball, when he was wide open and there was no one between him and the goal line and a couple of Tyler Lockett ones where he caught the ball and was able to just, you know, coast to the last 30 yards into the end zone. Um, so those are yards after catch and they're there, but there aren't the schemed yards after catch that we talked about and that the team talked about where you're you're getting a guy um in space you know eight yards down the field where he can turn up field and make somebody miss and and you know add that to it uh it's much similar much more similar to what we saw in the past where guys are catching the ball and then stepping out of bounds or um you know catching the ball and being the tackle being made right away And, and there isn't that extra space that we were hoping that they were to find so a couple a couple other things really quick um pass blocking in this game i think is going to be really important to create time for russell wilson to take shots because i think those shots are going to be here uh in this game um they were for kyler murray kyler murray moved around in the pocket created some extra time and he was able to throw the ball downfield like i said 11 plus yards per attempt in his game i look for that from Russell Wilson in this game too. I know that we've just talked about not always trying to take those long shots, but they're going to be there in this game. The other thing to pay attention to is Tennessee had three sacks and six quarterback hits last week. Uh, Danielle Hunter alone had seven tackles, three sacks, three tackles for loss and three quarterback hits. They need to pay attention to Hunter and know where he's at all the time. Now, luckily for us, Dwayne Brown's matched up on his side most of the time. Mm-hmm. But uh, that remains to be uh, seen how well Damian Lewis does to some stunts on the inside um, featuring Hunter as well. So something to watch. How about Seattle on defense, Keith? Uh, what do we need to do to stop the Minnesota Vikings? Well, I mean, you got to look at the fact that, uh, you know, they Cousins is not the mobile quarterback. You're not playing against Kyler Murray. Um, you're playing against a pocket guy who you can get after and the 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 defensive line has to play better than they did last week they've got to they have to be disciplined because Kirk cousins and the, and the minnesota vikings have a great screen game you know i wish kj Wright was was here because he really was the counter to that but they 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 run probably seven or eight screens a game 
mm-hmm. because of their offensive line. I think they they do get pressure, and some of those you know those overly aggressive defensive fronts can sometimes hurt you in certain situations. And they do have to know how to make you pay. That's why Kirk Cousins had 122 overall quarterback rating last week against Arizona because he ended up throwing like six or seven screens. Yeah, and and so that is part of it. And then, so it really comes down to they have to uh, they have to be careful with you know, the running game because Minnesota is averaging five yards per run. That's really going to challenge uh, Seattle. And if the Seahawks and, are, and last week, Dalvin Cook had 6.0 average. Yeah. And so if, if Cook and company are, uh, are averaging, you know, five yards a run, um, what that's going to do is that's going to have Seattle come out in those bare fronts again with their three defensive tackles all on the field uh, and essentially playing with five defensive linemen. Um, which was great in in week one. It worked fantastic to uh, shut down the running game, but it also makes it harder for you to get pressure on the quarterback. And if you let Kirk Cousins stand back there without any pressure and just wait for his guys to get open, he'll make your life really difficult. So he do, he does. He's an accurate passer, capable uh-huh. capable guy, and we've never said that he wasn't capable. You know, he's one of those quarterbacks. It's not like a Jimmy Garoppolo situation. Kirk Cousins is better than Jimmy Garoppolo on almost every level. Yes. Um, But he's not an elite level. We talked about that last week when we rattled off four or five quarterback. You did quarterback names that can go out and win games at the end of games when, when, when when the game's on the line. Kirk Cousins is probably not that guy. Kirk Cousins, you want to definitely go into the fourth quarter with a lead with Kirk Cousins, and you want to try to maintain that lead to the end of the game. And we saw what their kicker did at the end of the game. You don't want to put it in the kicker's hands at the end of the game. You don't want to depend on Kirk Cousins marching down the field on the last drive. Um, But other than that, and even sometimes he's successful at that, but other than that, against good defenses, you know, as long as you can contain the run game and force Kirk Cousins to, to be the guy, that beats you, you can usually beat, beat the Minnesota Vikings. And that's been proven out over, you know, quite a few different seasons now. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's not a bad quarterback. And I, I, I don't want people to, to listen to this and have me thinking, thinking that we're, you and I are saying like, Oh, he's just, he's not, a, he's a terrible quarterback, but he's not a, he's not a star quarterback. He's not a guy that's going to come in and, um, you know, dominate you and just wow you with his plays he's he's not overly athletic um he doesn't have a great arm but he is accurate and he does get the ball out quickly um so get some pressure on him and he'll throw some picks and stuff but if you let him if you let him sit back there unpressured he will make you pay for it and i really think that that's what they've got to do they've got to do a good job of stopping the run because this team is averaging five yards per run Dalvin Cook can gash you he really can he really can. He's a fantastic uh, player. And probably so, yeah. the second best running back in the NFL, you know, or, or in the top five conversation. He's sure. definitely in the top five. Um, he's not Derrick Henry. No. Um, he's no. not a Thank 200, goodness. a 240 pound guy that, that runs over defensive linemen. Uh, he's not that, which is, we're very happy about. Um, but he still is really good and will gas you. So they need to, they need to force third and long by stopping the running game. And then they need to get after Kirk cousins and get pressure. They they've got to get home. Um, because if you don't, it's going to be a long game. All right. 
So prediction time, Keith. Um, I'll go first. You went first last week. Of course, you were the only one on when you made the prediction. You weren't quite sure if I was going to come back. Um, I think this is going to be a, a, a bigger scoring game. Um, the average, I think I wrote this down somewhere in my notes. Let me see if I can find that really quick. I think the average score in the last two games um, by Minnesota is uh, the opponent scoring you know, 31 points a game and um, Minnesota scoring about 26. And so uh, I think that's going to continue in this. I think Seattle gets back on track offensively and kind of stays there, opens it up a little bit. So I'm looking at like 37 for the Seahawks. And I th- still think there's ways that, that Minnesota can beat you and score points. Um, I really do think that they're a pretty competent offense, maybe even a top 10 offense. And so I'm going to give them a little credit and I'm going to go 27. So 37, 27 Seahawks on the road. That's an interesting take on this because it's almost identical to mine. Um, in that when I have came up my pre, uh, prediction on this, um, I had 34, 27, seven point um, victory by Seattle. Um, I expect this to be a game with some, with some points. Um, yeah. The, Vikings have a pretty good defense, but they've also got a vulnerable defense in some ways. Um, and so there are there is some talent there, but there's weaknesses there as well. And I think that Seattle can take advantage of that. And also, honestly, until I see it again, I'm not going to say the Seahawks have a great defense because they looked anything but against the Titans last year. Yeah, well, and they surrendered 532 yards against the Titans. Now, I don't think they're going to surrender 532, but they could surrender 422. And I I would like them to be better than that. I would love Mm -hmm. to come out of this game having given up just 350 yards and 17 points. I just don't see it in this game. I want to see them get on track. I want to see some good signs that I can take out of this game into the next game and build on that and so on and so forth. But yeah, you're right. Until we see it, you know, I want them to win. They need to win. This is a game that's on the schedule that I have them winning. Um, and, And in order for them to be a playoff team that thinks that they can get past the second round in the playoffs, they need to have wins like this. And so... That's what I'm looking at. All right, Keith, let's get out of here this week. Follow Keith on Twitter at MyersNFL. I'm at NWC Hawk. The show is at Hawks Playbook on Twitter. SeahawksPlaybook.com has all of everything. Find us on your favorite pat, uh, podcast platform and YouTube and subscribe to both those. Make sure you get all three shows each week into your feed so you don't have to go looking for them each time. So until next time, go, go Hawks. Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NW Seahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.